We are live. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another um, IGTV Live. We're going to be talking about... Basically, I'm answering your questions. That's what we're doing here. So thank you so much for sending in tons of qualified questions. Um, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we usually don't see. So it's going to be fun attacking that. Also, drop in whatever questions you guys have down below. What's up, Sugar Shah? What's happening? Um, so drop in any questions that you guys you might have like down here, and then I will attack them at the end. I'm um, I'm a grandpa when it comes to using social media to this day. So when I'm in my flow and I'm going through my agenda, I might not look at you know your questions in the comment section. So that's why I'm saying drop them in the question section down there. Okay, so. Um, that's what we're doing. Um, I do genuinely appreciate you guys sending in the questions because it really helps. I mean, you you get to a point where you've done enough lives and you've done enough of these things where you're just like, what else can I share with them? So that's where you guys are a huge help. Like when you ask a certain question that I didn't even think of, I'm like, this is great. Like we can attack that. So that's what's going to be happening here. Super stoked. There's a lot of FCM fam in the house right now. So what's going on? Let's go. Um... All right, let's do this. So first question um, that came in from you guys is, uh, what do you do if you mess up color grading shooting um, during shooting uh, temp and tint? So like when you're shooting your stuff and you just have the wrong color temperature set, right? Like you shot it at 3200 Kelvin uh, during the daylight and then you come back and you look at it and you're like, what am I supposed to do with that? So two things you can do in post, um, but there is a proper sequence to that, okay? So the first one is going to be start with your printer lights. Now, if you don't know what printer lights are, um, they are offset. So when you go in your lift gamma gain and at the end it says um, offset, right? So like it'll say uh, lift gamma gain and then it'll say offset. So that's what your printer lights are. And basically when you're adjusting things using your printer lights, you are genuinely shifting RGB, like the actual color channels, okay? So you're not really manipulating, you're not really twisting and turning, you're actually like just shifting the color channel. So let's just say you shot something that just looks too yellow or too green, you can just go under like your printer lights and start taking that out, like by adding, let's just say if it's too green, then you're gonna start adding more blue to kind of counter that, and then you're gonna add just a little bit more red, you know, to bring down that yellow and bring down that green, and you know, then you can go from there, okay? So the second thing that you're gonna do is, once you just feel like, okay, now it's getting a little bit more neutral, like it's getting, it's looking a bit better, then you're gonna go in your temp and tint, and you're gonna swing it, right? So like. Then you're sitting there and going, well, it still has a little bit of that like green tinge like that I want to take out. So you go under your tint and then you subtract that by adding more magenta and then you swing it, you know, from that. And then you go under, uh, is it too warm? Is it still sitting on the top left quadrant and it's looking too warm? So let's pull that out. And then I go under my temp, temp and I just add more blue, subtract more warmth out of it, okay? And then the last thing is going to be, which is going to be on a granular level, you're going to use your lift gamma gain. Um, or your lock controls. And that is just to kind of get in there and give it that final touch because you're just, you just feel like, I mean, it's almost there, but it still needs something like, I mean, the blacks are not proper or the whites are not proper. So let me fix that. Karima, what's going on? How's it going? I've done a bunch of music videos with Karima. She's epic. You guys should check her out. Um, all right, moving on to the next question, which is how to grade if my PC can't handle many nodes. So 
you pretty much have the answer in your question, right? Like, which is use less nodes, keep it simple. And th that is a real thing, guys. And I'll be the first one to admit it, um, that most of the time when I do these tutorials, I'm not thinking about that, that somebody on the other side might not have the machine that I do. I just, you know, get in and I just throw like 5 million freaking nodes and I just get going because my machine can handle it. But it's a real thing. So in that case, you're gonna keep it really simple. Like I'm talking about like under five nodes. And then what can you do, um, you know, with that? So keep that in mind, that's number one. Number two is going to be avoid using OFX. Do not use OFX, especially if you have an older machine. Um, they are not very compatible with like the neural engine stuff that's going on with Resolve or even just like their regular OFX could be really like taxing. Uh, for your machines, so try avoiding, like avoid using that, right? Like, I mean, there's different ways to use film grain than using the film effect, like um, the OFX that is inside Resolve. Um, and I show you how to use grain outside of that in my actual masterclass because it's a little bit more involved, but there are ways where you can just literally take, you know, a, a grain footage and apply it to your entire timeline and then go adjust it like the intensity. The third thing is going to be avoid using noise reduction. Noise reduction will literally choke your system regardless of like if you're using a supercomputer or if you're using something, you know, that can't even handle anything like opening a Chrome browser. <laughs> like noise reduction will just choke everything. So avoid it. And then another trick to using noise reduction is that that will be the last step before you export. So you can apply noise reduction to kind of see what it's going to do, then turn it off then turn it off until the end and then make sure that you set a reminder to turn on noise reduction because again, I'll be the first one to admit it. I've made that mistake, rookie mistake, to submitting my final final to the client without turning on the noise reduction and then they never even said anything and then it went up and I saw it and I cringed and I'm like, what did I do? Why didn't I like, re you know, remember to turn on the noise reduction? So very important. Another one is going to be change timeline resolution to 1080p instead of like your desired resolution. So let's just say that it's gonna, the final is gonna be a 4K, right, project. Like you're gonna export, you're gonna deliver in 4K ProRes HQ. Well, my suggestion to you is bring down your resolution to 1080p, your timeline resolution. That is literally going to make things 4x faster because you just dropped the resolution by 4x, right? So keep the resolution to 1080p, grade everything in that, and then export. Now, I must say, grain will behave differently, halation will behave differently, and if you're using third-party plugins like Dehancer and their, um, um, what is it, Bloom? Their Bloom effect, all those are gonna behave differently if you're working with 1080p or 4K footage, like timeline settings. So uh, that's just a caveat that I'm throwing out there. That said, if you're struggling, this is for specifically for people that their machine can't handle the load, then these are the tips that are gonna get you out of that. And the difference is not like make it or break it. It's not like, oh my God, like the difference of the grain, like the way the grain behaves with 1080p, 4K, I can't even grade without like being in 4K timeline. That's not how it's going to be. So just keep those things in mind. Moving on to our next question, are control surfaces worth the money? And the simple answer is, Fuck yes. I mean, control surfaces are everything. I mean, you guys have heard that story probably in the past. And if you haven't, let me just say that. One time, I booked this online advanced color grading class, okay? 
It was happening during NAB in Vegas. I go to NAB and I go into this class that was taught by the so-called like, you know, self-proclaimed like pro. And then I go and sit in his class. And in the first 15 minutes, he he spends first 15 to 20 minutes of that boot camp, like the course that cost me over 1500 bucks and I had to drive to Vegas. He spent the first 30 minutes explaining where Resolve is, how do you download it and how do you open it? Like I was infuriated because I'm like, is this a joke? Like what is happening right now? Like what the fuck is happening right now? Like what's going on? And then he went on and rambled for 15 minutes how all you need is a mouse. Like, you know, pro colorists don't need any of this stuff. Like, I mean, you can just make things happen with a mouse and it's more than enough, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, yes, you can even grade using your trackpad, but that's like telling a race car driver or somebody who wants to be a race car driver, bro, Prius is all you need. Like, you're okay. Just whatever car you got, man. Like, whatever you got, what do you have? Uh, the person goes like, I don't know, I got Toyota Corolla. You're like, dude, you can you can just kill it. Like, that's all you need. You don't need anything else. Like, that is not the right tool for the job. It's not going to do the job properly. If you live in Chicago and it snows eight months out of the year, you better get yourself an all-wheel drive car or else you're going to be in trouble. That It's just as simple as that. You got to have the right tools. So coming back from our crazy an analogy, control surfaces are everything. You must get into them. And my recommendation is going to go from bottom to the top. Okay, so starting out, um, Tangent Ripple is a great option. I don't like how it feels. It's very plasticky and like the buttons stick and like, I don't know, but you get what you pay for, right? It's pretty cheap. It's like 300 bucks or something like that. You can get it even cheaper on eBay. Um, if you are looking for like, if you're in the used market. And then the second option is going to be Resolve Micro. So that's the, you know, DaVinci Resolve Micro panel. That's a pretty good bang for the buck. But I will say, if you can put, put it on your credit card, go all the way and get the mini panel. Mini panel is the ultimate best bang for the buck when it comes to having a control surface because those LCDs, once you get those LCDs, it changes everything because they're dynamic. So like as Resolve 18 comes out or 19, they're going to keep, you know, pumping out firmware updates that are going to update those LCD screens so it won't age, um, you know, it or it I should say it will age gracefully compared to say something like the micro panel um, or something like that where everything is printed. Like even all the buttons are just like it is what it is. So that is uh, the best bang for the buck and you'll never look back. And let me just say this, I have the granddaddy of all panels, the advanced panel and the lift gamma gain balls, the way they feel when you move them, they suck compared to the mini panel. Like the quality of the mini panel when it comes to like using just the balls like for the lift gamma gain is like miles ahead, miles ahead. Like. Resolve just dropped the ball on this freaking $30,000 panel. Like if I were to move these balls, you can even hear them right now. It's just like they screech and they do weird things. Like it just, it's not a great experience. I mean, it's shocking, but it's not a great experience. Like the mini panel is amazing in that. All right, moving on. Uh, next question is, any recent bugs you faced with the latest uh, version of Resolve? Yes. So the biggest bug that I'm facing that's literally driving me crazy right now is uh, double-clicking any parameter. 
So let's just say that you crank the saturation to 65, right? And then you just go, I want to reset that. I want to go back to 50. So usually you just double tap, you double click on the sat, you know, uh, letters, and then it just resets it to 50. That doesn't happen. And like with the newest update, I just keep double tapping, nothing happens. So I have to manually click on the digits like thing and then type in, like literally type in 50 and enter and then, then it changes it. So it adds an unnecessary step to the entire process and it breaks the flow, you know, when you're just in your zone. So that one is, is bugging the crap out of me. And then the other one is uh, sometimes the effect of the LUT is gone. So like I'll be in Resolve, right? And I'm like, wait, why is everything looking so weird and like flat? And then I'll go in and my LUT is still on there, right? And then I'm like turning it on and off and it's not doing anything. And it's not even like I'm in my gallery still and it's like stuck on some image and that's why it's doing that, which it would sometimes, which is also weird. But it would just like be looking flat and you're like, wait, something is wrong. And then you quit out of Resolve, you open Resolve again and everything is okay. So once again, a huge bug, especially when you're in your zone, you wanna just keep going and not deal with these uh, you know, weird issues. And then finally, the occasional like, you know, freeze, like it'll, it'll freeze every now and then like randomly, like I'll just double click on a new project and boom, it's just stuck there for a while. Um, and I think it's not just on this machine, it also happened on my MacBook Pro. So, um, you know, it's definitely a resolve related thing. So those are the th three things that I'm facing. Again, if you guys have anything specific, you know, let us know so it can help other people. Um, moving on to the next question, how to start a career as a colorist? So, I mean, this question uh, came up many times in the past, but let's just revisit it again. I'll say, to start, up, start off with like grading your personal projects so you can start building like a body of work. Like that's very important, right? Because if I'm looking for a colorist and, uh, hey, can you guys hear me? Like somebody just said like, can't hear. Let me know if you guys can hear me. Can you guys hear me okay? Okay, good. Um, so first, you know, one of the things that I'm gonna say, build your body of work, right? Like, you know, put in, like, have a lot of work to show. So if I go, I'm looking for a colorist, you apply to my posting, I go, what do you got? What have you done? I don't care um, what do you know and how long you've, you know, you've been using Resolve for. My question is gonna be, um, show us what you have. Like, you know, like, show me your work. So that's very important and it can start with you. You can just pick up your camera, go out there, start shooting and have somebody work. So that's number one. Um, next one is gonna be offer it as an add-on service. So you guys know my story, that's how it started, right? Like went to school for cinematography, minored in editing. And then when I came out, I was doing a lot more editing than cinematography. So then as an editor, I started tacking on color as an add-on. So I would like just edit something and then I will just like tack on like some color on top of it and present it to the client and they'll go, this looks amazing. What did you do? Like what happened like to the colors and everything? And I'm like, well, you know, I just took it in Resolve and did da da da, da like, you know, something. And they'll be like, dude, so do you do that? Like, do you offer that service? And I'm like, yeah. And then you just start right there. Like, you know, then, then that client, you already had that client. Like that's your hot lead. You're already working with them. And now you just like presented them with like something 
that they weren't even in the market for, and you created that opportunity. So that's how you start. That's It worked wonders for me, and I still do this to this day. Um, next one is going to be um, offer to grade for free, right? So, I mean, uh, you know, I'm going to, like, quote, a full-time filmmaker, right? Like free to fee, you know, that kind of thing. So that is like a very powerful concept, right? Like you just work for free until it turns into a fee, right? So like you just take on somebody's, you just offer the service. Like I'm going to do it because you're just starting out. People don't know you. So you're going to be like, hey, I'm going to do it. I got you. Um, and then you do a couple of things for them. And then they just go, all right, all right, dude, you know, you're all right. Like, I'll pay you. And then it starts from there. First you get paid, then you negotiate and get paid what you want to get paid. And then once it starts, it's a snowball effect, all right? Um, then we're going to move on to the last um, point in this question is going to be uh, reach out to cinematographers and directors and build relationships. Like, that is more like a genuine thing. Like, you know, I let's just say I follow a cinematographer and I see, some, you know, their newest post. And I'm not talking about following Roger Deakins. Like, you know, I mean, you can. Like, you know, you should you should never put limits on yourself. And you should go up there and then see what happens. Um, you know, but, like, I mean, I reached out to Roger Deakins' team, right? Like, Team Roger De uh, team Deakins. And I reached out to him. And I'm like, let's do a live. Like, let's jump on and let's do a live. And then they reached back out to me. And they were like, well, we're going to let you know in a, in a couple of weeks or a couple of, you know, like uh, Deacons is on a project right now, but we can work something out. So it's like, that's insane. Like I just like Deacons is like my ultimate hero. And I just like reached out to him and they replied back. So, you know, whether it's him or I'm assuming it's somebody like that's handling his account, but that is insane. But if I wouldn't have done it, I wouldn't know if they would reply back or not. So what I'm saying is like, don't put any limits, but at the same time, the, the more of a, you know, tight game plan would be to like find somebody that is that has like two, three thousand followers on Instagram and you know for a fact that they're gonna see your message. And also somebody who's more engaged, like somebody who's like kind of showing up, right? And just like kind of like posting regularly. So you know they're in the game. And then once you see that, pff, honest comments, right? Like go to their page and just be like, this was incredible. Uh, love what you're doing, love like how you lit this, da, da 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 like itching to see what can happen in post. Like if we were to just throw it in resolve and mess with it. And then personally DM that person and be like, dude, remember like I left that comment, you know, on that uh, post post, and like it was incredible. Um, I'm just dying to bring that footage into resolve and mess around with it. Like, do you mind sharing that clip with me? And then like free of charge and I will not share it without your permission. Is that cool? People, of course, like, you know, people are going to be like, dude, this dude is cool. He doesn't come off desperate or weird or lame. And uh, yeah, let me hook him up with some footage and see what he can cook up. And then you can, you know, you come back with something that blows him away. And he goes, holy shit, dude, like I just wrapped up this gig. Do you want to jump on it and help me out? So that's the kind of thing we're talking about, right? Like, I mean, you got to have tact in your approach. You can't just slide into my DMs and be like, Please, dude, check my work and give me some feedback. Please, 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 I'm fucking dying here. Like, you can't do that. Like, I mean, you're going to get blocked. So just have some tact in your approach, and it's going to be great. Uh, moving on to the next question. I got to, I got to, I got to cuss less in these. I mean, in real life, I cuss a lot. Uh, but I try my best not to cuss when I'm live, and especially because I'm always thinking about, like, who's going to watch it on the other end. So yeah, 
I'm gonna do I'm gonna do better. But when I'm in my flow, I just yeah. All right. Um, moving on to the next question. When you are first starting out, is it better to use LUTs or grade from scratch? First of all, great question. Second of all, um, been there, right? So my fascination with color grading started with Magic Bullet. Now, anybody who's used Magic Bullet, I mean, come on, just give me a thumbs up down here. Like, I mean, just like throw a thumbs up in the comments because that was the shit back in the day, right? So like I started with Magic Bullet and I was like, oh my God, like you just hover over, right? Like all these looks and then it kind of shows like a static image of like what your image could look like and you just go, holy hell, like this looks amazing. What is this? You know, at the time it was like groundbreaking. So I started with that, but now when I look back, I'm, I'm telling you right now, no, you never want to do that. Remember like my, my, I mean, I still rock my merch, like don't be a LUT bitch. Why do I do that? Because like LUTs cripples your creativity. LUT will cripple your creativity and it will choke like your inspiration to what you want to do because you will be handicapped with what you got. You throw on a 2383 and it has these, it, it like deepens these reds, right? Like it turns your reds into maroon and like it does that stuff um, and you just go, this is it. Like now you're kind of, you constraint yourself, right? You, you pigeonhole yourself into that like palette and now you have to build and work within that, like what, what was created, the look DNA that came from that. So that part of LUTs, I hate to this day because I will be working on a project today and I'll start off with like a certain LUT that, you know, I favor or, or think will go well with this, whatever project I'm working on. And then 60 shots in, I will be just backtracking. I will constantly be going back and I'll be like, dude, what is it doing to her shirt? Like, that's not the color of her shirt. Like, I like everything else, but that is weird. What What's happening with the grass? Why is the grass burned? I'm working on this golf commercial and the golf course needs to look perfect and the everything looks great, but the golf, like the grass is just burnt. Like, what the hell is going on? So then you just keep like pedaling back. That Those are the things that I loathe about using LUTs. When you create, when you start from scratch, you have the ultimate control. Yes, you might be missing the magic, like the, the, the euphoria magic or that thing that we see and we go, oh my God, how did they do that? Like a lot of like the subtractive color and like how the colors are just so dense. You might be missing that sometimes, but I'm telling you the stuff that like the control that you will gain. I mean, think about something like this. Um, Stefan, you know, the, the person who graded uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, Dark, like when we brought him on and we interviewed him, he said he built the looks from scratch. He's like, he used film LUTs as inspiration. He's like, I brought in the LUTs and then I rebuilt them and then I ditched the LUT. And he's like, then I manipulated the few things that I didn't like um, from the actual LUT and then that was our look. So. That should, you know, basically reveal a lot to like what's happening on a bigger level. I feel like the, that's the ultimate goal, but I'm not going to lie. I mean, plugins like Dado's look designer, pff, unbelievable, best in the game. Or uh, think about something like Dehancer, huge, huge supporter of Dehancer. So those plugins are unreal. And the, the amount of control they give you, you can still do a lot of push and pull, but 
a long-winded answer to your question, I will still say when you're first starting out, exhaust on all the tools and OFX that are present inside Resolve. Do not get into third-party plugins. Do not get into any of those things. You need to swim in that Kool-Aid. Like learn everything about Lift Gamma Gain. Like when I do uh, weekly feedback, you know, for my uh, um, FCM members, um, we have like weekly challenges and we do, um, we give them feedback, tailor-made feedback. And during that feedback, 90% of the time, everybody's problem is that their Lift Gamma Gain game is not that strong. Their, their primaries game is not really strong. They they hit the ground running, but then something happened and it just like, boom, it dropped, right? They just flatlined. And the thing that was missing was like those little things. Like it's just all of the tiniest things, right? Like, I mean, I'm like super addicted right now on FIFA, like FIFA 22. I'm like playing it like crazy, like almost like I'm, I'm a child again. I'm playing FIFA so much. So when I'm playing the game, I'm always like, I need to master all these five skill, you know, five star skill moves. Like I got to do all these moves to go around my people. And then I see like the elite players play and they don't use any tricks. They don't do anything jazzy. All they're looking for is like for that right pass. And then they make that one pass and they're gone. Boom, done, right? So what we learn from that is this is how it is. Like the same rule applies to color grading. It's like the more you complicate it doesn't mean that this is how good it's going to be. Sometimes like stripping away like a lot of that like facade, like that thing that we try to create that we end up with like the most like beautiful images, right? Moving on to the next question. Uh, okay, any tips on grading 8-bit footage? Uh, once again, oh, actually, let me see. No, let's cover this one first. So should you charge in advance or upon completion? So that's also a good question. This will be dictated uh, with this, this will dic be di dictated on like who you're working with. So if you're working with a corporation, they already have an HR department and their accounts like payable and receivable, everything is set up. They go, this is net 30. Uh, you're gonna finish a project. You're gonna submit an invoice. You're gonna get paid within 30 days, done. Like no negotiation. So that's how you're gonna work with them. When you're working on independent projects, be very careful. When you're working on independent projects, you can negotiate different things. You can ask for 100% upfront, but that won't happen unless they already know you or two, uh, you're reputable. They can look you up and they know that you're legit. Then they'll be okay with it. Or you can do what I prefer, 50-50, which is 50 up, you know, in advance and 50 upon completion. So it's just like, hey, pay me 50%, let me get up, get going on this because I am like reserving a full day or whatever, a couple of days to work on this. And then once I deliver the final, you pay me the next 50%. So I think that's that's a happy medium and most of the people like, you know, kind of take you up on that. And if they don't, that could also be a red flag and just beware. All right, now moving on to any tips on grading 8-bit footage. So um, first thing that I'm gonna say, don't push it too hard. With 8-bit footage, the more you push it, the more artifacting you're gonna see, okay? So so go easy. Um, easy on the contrast, easy on the saturation. Let the image breathe, let it live in the middle. Um, and that's sort of like the new look anyways, right? In the, in the late, uh, actually in the early 2000s and mid 2000s or 2010 or whatever, like it, it was more about like really push contrasty look. Now we're kind of going back to like a really open look, like, you know, just like, something that breeds in the middle, like we love it. So then it's even 
easier to achieve a cool look uh, with 8-bit footage. Another thing that I would say is avoid using qualifiers. Avoid using qualifiers like a plague. I mean, how many of you seen the um, the new Mac Studio, uh, you know, conference like that happened yesterday? And if you saw their the studio monitor presentation, did you see the artifacting on the screen? Like the reds were like all like jittery and like going nuts. That's because whichever genius that was grading it, like probably used qualifiers. That's what happened. And they like here is Apple trying to sell you that, hey, they're, this screen, this panel that they have is the best panel you can have for color grading and all purposes and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, all these things. And then you see this just blotch, like this craziness, like just like running noise. It's insane. And it's so distracting. And you just go, like, I was, I was like, holy hell, like, am I really seeing this? Like, am I seeing this? Or is this like my TV doing some funny stuff? But like, it was like going nuts. And it just constantly happened only anytime we saw like their new panel and what was like whatever the uh, screensaver was on the actual screen, like inside that panel. So that happened because again, like the genius who was grading it probably pulled a qualifier and then like messed up, like overlooked it. And then everybody overlooked down the chain that video was part of their presentation and they're trying to sell a monitor and then this is what's happening. So avoid qualifiers at all costs. And that's also something that I've learned from one of the pers like persons that I respect the most, Dado Valentic, and he always says like, qualifiers should be the last resort. Like, you know, try using everything else before you get into those. And then um, I'll say, uh, avoid using vignettes. Uh, don't throw vignettes on there because vignettes are gonna add on to that banding that happens in the gradation, right? Like, you know, when you see a sky in an 8-bit footage, usually it's like, like you see banding, right? Like it just goes like this. Like, you know, like you see the strips across. So when you add vignette, it, max, it adds on to it. So instead, what I recommend is adding grain, adding grain to your footage. Grain will basically break up the monotonous pattern you know, of the banding, right? So the grain will get inside of those like, you know, lines that you see, the banding, and then it will, to the eye, create that illusion, then the banding is not there. So adding film grain is a huge plus, which is why I tell everybody that buying the paid version of Resolve, I mean, it's like the best deal on planet Earth. Like don't ever hesitate because you get noise reduction, you get film grain, you get all the OFX, you get the neural engine stuff. Like there's so many perks to getting the paid version of Resolve that it's ultimately like a no-brainer. Uh, moving on to the next question. Do reality TV, sports, and sitcoms require color grading? So um, most of the time, no, they require color correction, not color grading, because you gotta understand, a lot of the live events are happening live and then they're being broadcasted, we're seeing them. So they literally are shooting in Rec 709 on their cameras or HLG if it's like 4K, uh, HDR. So a lot of them are shooting in those formats. So it's basically coming in like all like, you know, as pushed as it can be. And then when you talk about something like sitcoms or TV, most of the time they still might be shooting in those like, you know, like Rec 709 or HLG settings. Then that footage comes in and all you're doing or like little tweaks, just balancing your stuff. That's it. You're not necessarily throwing on windows or anything like that unless something was just terribly, like went terribly wrong on the set, then you will fix that. And then um, 
I'm pretty sure, like, with some sitcoms, like, you know, now they're just getting, like, kind of blurring the lines. Like, you know, they look really good. With those, they might be actually shooting in log, and then they bring it in, do the Rec. 709, and, like, really, really, like, keep it at a basic level, like, base grade, and then that's the end of that. Um, okay, so... For editing, do you prefer Premiere or Resolve? Um, I prefer Resolve, and obviously, like, if you're a Premiere Pro user, like, I mean, Resolve is just going to be weird and, you know, clunky and all that in the beginning. But I prefer Resolve because I am um, very, very proficient, like, in Final Cut 7, Final Cut 10, Premiere Pro, Avid Media Composer, and Resolve. And I can tell you right now, the most fun software to edit in in the world in the world especially if you master all these other tools is resolve or is avid media composer i'm sorry avid media composer hands down is the best tool to edit in when it comes to cutting nothing comes close and it inspires you to edit like the way it works like you just fly just all you need is your keyboard and you fly and once you get that rhythm, nothing gets close. That said, Avid Media Composer is about 70 to 80 years behind in everything else. It, it's garbage in everything else. Like just even doing a text in Avid Media Composer is probably gonna take you like seven years. So in everything else, it sucks ass. In editing, nothing comes close. So Resolve to me is the closest thing to Avid when it comes to cutting. And that's why I think Resolve is amazing because it comes really close to editing like Avid, still not like exactly like Avid, but comes close to it. But then it is so advanced in all those other areas. Um, and then the biggest one for me is the reliability. I mean, it's absolutely unreal. Um, you know, the, you, Premiere Pro, that's the one thing that holds it back. Even to this day, when I turn it on, like, I'm kind of crossing my fingers. Is it going to come on or uh, is it going to just stay stuck on that screen, right? Like, the main screen. Like, does it, like, is it just me or does it take, like, seven years to just, like, get inside Premiere Pro when you first, like, launch it? I don't understand, like, what takes so long. And if you have more third-party plugins, good luck. So, that doesn't happen with Resolve. So, I'll say hands down. Like, get, get into it and you'll never look back. What's the best way to build a relationship with someone in a major commercial company? So, uh, remember my last week's or the week before, like the live that I did on why people that are starting out should do a full-time job uh, or get a full-time job? I'm going to go back to that. So, working a full-time job um, when you're first starting out is probably going to be the best thing. And what I would recommend you do is just become a sponge, build connections left and right, um, turn it into a numbers game. Like... How many people can you meet? Have zero ego. Just walk up, introduce yourself. And if somebody makes you feel like, you know, you don't belong here, like walk away, like, you know, you, you know, you, like I, I'm not interested. I don't want to talk to you. Just walk away and leave that as like that one experience. Don't associate it to this is how the corporate world is and everybody sucks and blah, blah, blah. Don't get jaded by that one person who's miserable. Walk away, meet the next person, rinse and repeat. And like really use it to build mad connections because I'm telling you, it's a baked in community, right? Like, I mean, you go work for a big corporation, they already have these big players that have connections with other companies. So it's like really easy to kind of get in and already have an in. 
compared to like, you know, going to those bars that require like, you know, some sort of a code or you got to know somebody, blah, blah, or else you can't get in here. You just got in. Now you just have to like introduce yourself, be likable. And then the rest is history. Um, how long have you been using Resolve? I've been using Resolve since 2010. Yeah, since 2010 and uh, never looked back. I mean, in the beginning, Resolve sucked uh, when it came to editing. So I didn't use it for editing. It was just a color grading tool, but it was my go-to color grading tool. So I would still do everything in Premiere Pro and then I will shoot it into Resolve, grade it, bring it back, the whole round trip game. So that's what I would do in the beginning. And it was a mess. XMLs were like not as advanced. The language, it wasn't translating and it wasn't communicating like with Premiere to Resolve, Resolve back to Premiere. It was just a mess. I mean, it still kind of is. I feel like we shouldn't be dealing with those things. Like there should be a universal language that's understood between like these main players. Like where if I just send a file, I don't need to then readjust my repos and retime my shots and things like that. Like it should just be one click. It's in there. Um, hopefully we're on the cusp. Hopefully we're about to have a breakthrough and get there, but we're still not there. There's literally full-time positions where you have online editors that are bringing everything in from Premiere Pro or Avid into Resolve and then just lining everything up and doing that. And it takes days sometimes before it's ready for a colorist. Um, okay. How do you make your grade not look like a filter? So that one was really funny when I read it because I'm like, this is so true. Like, again, going back to the, um, to the magic bullet days, right? Like everything looked like a filter at the end of the day, because what would happen is like, I would be looking at irregular Rec. 709 footage because back in the day, nobody shot like at that, at that time, nobody was shooting. At least I wasn't working on projects where we were shooting log footage. So we were working with Rec. 709 coming out of Canon 5D and stuff. And then I'll bring it, bring it in. And I'll apply a Rec. 709 look uh, using Magic Bullet. And it would just like change it so much that I would just think, oh my God, this looks amazing. But then about 90% you know, of the time when I submitted it to my manager or to anybody and they looked at it and they just always went like that. They were like, dude, what's going on? Why is the sky like freaking so teal? And why is the skin so Oompa Loompa? Like what's going on? And I would be like, oh, you don't like that? Like, you don't think that's cool? And you know, that was the problem, right? Like, so to my head, like it was amazing, but it wasn't that great. And what I'm trying to say is that you have to practice um, and you have to practice at developing a taste. That's why it's so important. Like I tell everybody on my channel that, hey, develop a taste, like watch these videos. I take a lot of pride in like showing you guys how to become a tastemaker because I feel like that is extremely important. Like you can't just sit back and just be like, I've learned all the things. Now, why doesn't everything look perfect? You know, it, knowing and doing completely separate things, completely separate things, right? Like, I mean, you could just know everything and have never done anything, okay? Or somebody could be like, here, I learned this and I apply it and then I keep getting better, right? So, I mean, that those two things are very, very important. So developing a taste is important. Um, constantly learning new tools. I mean, I'm telling you guys, like, the, the HDR palette and the color warper are the ultimate game changers, and especially because how much time they save you, okay? The time savings are just crazy. Like, I mean, you know what? I'm just going through and I'm doing my final pass and then all of a sudden the client is like, I'm liking it, but I think it's just not pushed enough. I can just go under my color warper 
um, on a timeline or a post group level and I just boom one change and we change the entire DNA of the look and it's embedded it's in the bones of that image and then all of a sudden we just go holy shit this is amazing what else can we do uh, I need a little bit more saturation in the highlights but not in the shadows boom I know exactly the tools to use I can go under my HDR palette and I can like adjust the saturation based on where my image is sitting and where do I want to adjust the saturation of my image? Like, okay, give it more saturation in the highlights, take more saturation out of the shadows, so I have cleaner shadows, but then I have like a lot of meat in like my highlights, because let's just say we lit our subject, you know, with like these bright lights, and now he's just going, you know, uh, like just ghost white, and we don't want that. We still want some color in the skin, and we can do that. So those things, like learning new tools will also help you develop that taste and take it to the next level and and basically customize your look where it doesn't look like a filter right that's the ultimate goal um how to build mental stamina and motivate yourself to keep going okay so this is a great one um color grading central just jumped on what's up mr riddle what's going on brother um what's happening adam What's going on, bro? Um, so, how to build mental stamina and motivate yourself to keep going? First of all, let's get this out of the way. Motivation is an inside, you know, game. All right. So, like, I can sit here and like pump you up and jack you, and you're just like, dude, I'm gonna take over the world. I'm just gonna go great everything, and then two days later, uh, you run out of that, right? So it's an inside job. But what I'm gonna say is this: we're lazy when we lack the knowledge, when we don't know something, um, or when we don't want to do something. And most of the time, we don't want to do something because we're not great at it. Like if color grading is just so effortless to me that I can just do it in my sleep, then I don't mind, you know, doing it. I can just sit down here for five minutes and I can cook up a really good look and I'm, I'm that's great. You know, I can do that. But if I suck at it and if I just like sit down and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've been here like for the last hour and I can't for the life of me cook up like what I'm trying to do. I'm going to walk away. During the middle of the day, all of a sudden I'm going to get so tired that I have to take a nap. And then I wake up and my head is hurting and like blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to say, I'll just do this tomorrow. You understand what I'm saying? So it's like a lot of like this motivation to keep going is going to come from you getting better at your craft. When you put in the time and get better at it, get more efficient at it like you won't have you won't face as many um frictions and you'll just it'll be effortless to you and you can do it easily and you can sustain it you know as a career and that's why i do put a lot of value in learning but at the same time i feel like i see this time and again where people turn learning into procrastination it becomes a form of procrastination you just always go Oh, I want to do this, but I think there's one more thing that I got to watch. And after that, it's going to be way better. Like, oh, I want to do this, but uh, I think I just got to like, yeah, some, a friend of mine like recommended me to check out this book and like, let me finish this book and maybe then I'll write my next post. Or maybe like, you get what I'm saying? So like when you catch yourself doing that, when you catch that pattern, break it. Have some, if you can't do it by yourself, have your friends or family, have somebody who can, you know, basically be your accountability coach, right? 
Like, don't go out and hire an accountability coach, but like, just literally find somebody within your family that can just come in and be like, yo, did you do this? Or are you still waiting or contemplating or whatever? And like, they're gonna, you know, just push you over the edge. Um, and then let's move on to another question. And this is my last question here. And then after that, I'm gonna take some questions there, which I see in double digits, which is amazing. Um, so my thoughts on the Mac Studio. Okay, so Apple released the Mac Studio yesterday um, and it looks amazing. I mean, crazy, right? Like 18K or eight, 18X, 18, 8K streams simultaneously. Like it's even hard to say and it's unreal. And, and let me just say this. When Apple makes claims, they're usually being conservative. That's like you know, the Porsche that I own, Porsche going like, oh, 911 C4S does zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds, whereas in reality, it actually does zero to 60 in three seconds. But they just always do that. Uh, BMW does the same thing. Like M5, they say it does zero to 60 in 3.2, but it does it in 2.8. So they're always like kind of just like giving themselves some room so like nobody can come around and go like, hey man, like you're making all these bold claims, you know? So Apple is in the same, uh, I put it in the same category, okay? so. Like these numbers are absolutely ridiculous. 7.4 gigabytes of internal flash drive. That is about two to three times faster than my Mac Pro. My Mac Pro is I think 2.8 or 2. Point, yeah, I think it's 2.8 uh, gigabytes, which means I don't need to have a RAID, like an additional RAID NVMe, like an eight terabyte drive to do like to save all my internal like my projects and then work off of those cuz like right now I have I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars building this NVMe raid um, in raid 0 so I mean basically it's stripe like it, it can be as fast as possible but then there is a throttle like on the top end it's supposed to be about 15000 read and write but it's giving me about 7500 read and write um, which is a lot more than enough but I had to spend thousands of dollars I have to, um, I'm restricted to the update that is compatible, the Mac OS update that is compatible with High Point, which is the ultimate bummer. I can never just update my system whenever I want because that's gonna throw off uh, my, my main drive, my online drive, and it just disappears. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm out of commission. I can't work. Like, my, my drive is not showing up. They, ha they don't have the firmware update for it. So those things are huge to consider. So for Mac to give you that internal flash drive, which you can use as your online drive, is unreal, is crazy, okay? So that is amazing. 90% faster CPU than the 16 core Mac Pro 2019, which I think that's what I have. I mean, it's been such a long time. I don't even remember which Mac Pro I have. I'm literally going to look up right now. I have the 16 core 3.2 gigahertz. So like I have that Xeon processor and they're saying the Mac Studio is 90 times, 90%, not 90 times, 90% faster than that. And then they're saying it is 80% faster GPU than the Radeon Pro W6900X in the Mac Pro 2019. So that GPU is even a newer GPU than what's in my machine. And I have the dual, so I have 64 gigs of like GPU power, but they're basically saying it's 80% 80 80 faster like GPU than the freaking latest 
um, graphic card that they have in the 2019 Mac Pro. So those numbers are ridiculous. But, oh, I'm using my phone, so I can't even look at the messages. Like, I mean, I was just talking to um, Jake, and I want to read some of these to you because he is the one who has the insider knowledge. He's using the new MacBook He's using the new MacBook Pro M1 Max, and he's basically saying that it has like tons of small bugs, like tons of like little bugs where he's saying like it doesn't really work well with the dongles. And that's my biggest concern. I have so many peripherals that are inside my Mac Pro and then outside of my Mac Pro, I have the 10 gig card that I've installed through, a, through the PCIe slot. So then I can hook it up to my NAS and get about 900 read and write through my NAS, which is 80 terabytes. And then that is like available everywhere um, I go. So like I have so many things. I mean, you've seen all my screens, right? And then my camera is hooked up. My mic is hooked up. Like there's so many peripherals that I have hooked up that I will have to rely on a bunch of these third party like dongles, which I never had a good luck with. Anytime I use third party dongles to like multipliers to use with my MacBook Pro. I've always had issues. And Jake is saying the same exact thing. And then he's saying another thing, a resolve specific bug where he said, when you hit play, it won't play in the resolve GUI only in the external monitor. I mean, wouldn't that freaking drive you crazy? And then he's saying, when I press pause, it goes back to the original frame I started playback from. I mean, these are like the ultimate deal breakers. So here's the thing. I ordered my Mac Studio yesterday. And then today, I went back and I canceled my order. Like, I'm just going to wait for like some reviews. Like, everything that I'm doing like this, my Mac Pro is more than capable. I can literally have a 100 node node tree and it can handle it. It can play back just fine. Uh, it will choke on noise reduction. But like I said, anything will choke on noise reduction regardless of like whatever it is that you're using. So it's like, I'm very happy. So I feel like the reliability, I put reliability over speed, uh, reliability over efficiency, because they're saying it's like, uh, it uses 100 watts less uh, than the fastest PC. So like your electric bill is gonna be a lot less. And then the, the room is not gonna heat up as much. I mean, my room is usually a sauna. Like it's crazy how hot it gets because of this machine. But I will take all these cons for reliability. Like you give me reliability, I'm good. Like I'm, I'm golden. So those are all the questions that you guys sent. And once again, like I said, I mean, I love you guys for it. I mean, just look at it. Like I've, I've gone nonstop for 50 minutes to answer these. I mean, this community is like, it's unreal. Like it just, I like it just, I have to pinch myself to know like we, we created this, we have this, it's amazing. So you guys are epic. I'm going to take some questions here and then we're going to call it. All right, so this is a good one. Man, I hate that they did that. Like, where I can't show anybody's question unless you you buy a badge or something. I don't know. Uh, so how how long did it take you to be confident in your work when you were a beginner? So that's a good question. And um, it's tough, man. Like, it's tough to answer that because it's like, I was just talking to my wife yesterday. I'm like, what is it that, you know, one day, you know, I wake up and, I'm all juiced and I'm this guy who knows it all and blah, blah, blah. And then the next day I wake up and I know nothing. 
right? Like, I mean, I'm just, I'm just clueless. Like, what do I, what's happening? Like, where am I going? Like that kind of thing. So I feel like it's, it's just building systems and processes around your life will bring consistency and like less and less of that unknowingness and more self-confidence, right? Um, so that's why I'm a huge fan of like building small habits. You know, I've done tons of uh, lives on that, like where we just talk about like building small habits and like, you know, just working on those. So I feel like my thing for you would be when you're confident in yourself, in your life, you're going to be way more confident uh, when it comes to your work and you'll take pride in that. So those like, I mean, generally like that, that's just the thing because, the, it, it, you know, the imposter syndrome, like, you know, we've seen interviews with like the ultimate head honchos in the industry and they'll say that they go through that day in and day out. So they attack it the same way, where it's just like you put your head down and you go and you just keep working and then you get to a point where you go, if somebody's paying me this much for what I do, I must be good at it. And that's it. Like that doesn't make you cocky or anything. That's the end of that. Good question. So somebody said, like, how do you feel about like the high-end Mac monitors for color accuracy at factory settings? I think they're really good. I think they're very, very decent. Um, my XDR display does tend to go a little bit cooler, just a tiny bit cooler. Um, but then that's the same uh, exact screen that you get on an iPad. And 90% of the creatives, like the creative directors and stuff, are looking at your stuff on an iPad or a MacBook Pro, which is also on the cooler side, closer to my XDR. So then in that case, my brother just jumped on, Clever Kazi. What's up, brother? So when it comes to the XDR display or iMac, uh, MacBook Pro, iMac, and then iPad, they all live in the same world. So that gives you an advantage uh, because majority of the creatives that I know, at least that I interact with, are all using uh, Macs, and they're you know screening their stuff on these screens. So that's that's an advantage. But if you were to just you know being unbiased and put it next to a monitor that is meant for color grading, which is this guy right here, and then I have it calibrated um, from the same guy that calibrates screens at Warner Brothers and stuff like that. So like he runs a huge company and like a main like dude. Um, for color calibration. So that's the person that I hired. And then he calibrated my Sony BVM. And then after calibration, when you just like look at the XDR to BVM, you go, okay, yeah, like XDR is a little bit more on the cooler side. But once again, where is the final project ending up on? Like what, how are people going to be viewing it? So if they're going to be viewing it on an iPad, on a MacBook Pro, something like that, you're golden. So I think it's a good choice. And it's great uh, from like factory settings, but I have heard that you can go online. You can actually even look at the, the white paper on Apple's website that there is a way to adjust the offset, adjust the white point. So once you adjust your white point, then you're golden. Then it should be like, it basically will take out that tint that we're getting right now. Like I'm talking about tint. It's just adding a little bit more magenta and you want to just like pull it back, add like one plus one green, I'm thinking like from like the resolves perspective, perspective, right? Like I just want to hit plus one green 
and that's gonna just shift it so where it's like the colors are perfect and I'm ready to go. So look up, like go online and just do some digging on like how to fix the white point and you're gonna find something um, on that that you can try. But yeah, I, I recommend these screens. Sorry, I'm just going through questions that I haven't answered. I mean, that's an interesting question to me, like, Cosman, like, uh, I love your work a lot. Do you also have tips uh, for color grading for photography? Yes, I do. I I have a lot of fun. I just feel like that's one thing that I love about color grading, that it can be applied in so many different areas, right? So, like, with photos all the time. Like, I'll, I'll take a photo, and the first thing that I do is I'm going to bring it in Lightroom, and I'm going to see what I can do. So one thing that I will recommend you playing around with is um, take it in Lightroom, go under curves and then turn off like their assisted curve, which is sort of like editable splines, turn that off and just go back to the linear curve and then lift up the bottom and bring down the top, just like how I usually build my custom curves in Resolve and try to mimic that. And you'll be amazed the kind of results you get. Like you get like these beautiful Polaroid looking images uh, inside Lightroom by using their basic tools and it just has like such a such an X factor that you're like, oh my God, like this looks like it was literally shot on film. And you can just create something like that inside Lightroom and it's just so satisfying. You just press and hold on the screen and it gives you before and after. Uh, crazy dopamine and I love it. So uh, I, I think, yeah, all these skills are translated, right? Like, I mean, now when I'm in Lightroom, it's really easy for me to use HSL um, options, uh, you know, to select certain colors. Like before, I was just so scared I would never do it. Now it's just like a second nature. I'll go in and I'll be like, or, or my wife will bring me in. She's a photographer and she'll be like, what would you ch change here? And I just go in and I go, the desert looks good, but I would just like make it more orange. And then, oh, how do you do that? So instead of like, you know, doing it with all their lame tools, like temp and tint, whatever, I'll just go uh, and, and select that, like, right? Like just use an eye picker, pick that color and then start moving it around, like, you know, on different axes axes and just go, okay, this looks good here. Like it just has the right red and right orange and it's looking good now. Now let's move on to the next thing. So I think it's a lot of fun doing it that way. All right, guys, I think we have more questions here too, but it's um, we've gone on for too long. It's one full hour. So hopefully this was helpful and um, we're gonna do this again. Like, you know, doing the live q and I feel like is just a lot of fun because once again, it helps me out to know exactly what you guys need and then cook up answers based on that and then have this conversation it also feels like a dialogue than like having my own agenda and just going today i'm going to tell you about da da da, da. Uh, that said after this i'm going to be working on the next youtube video which is going to be dropping tomorrow um, if you guys want to see more stuff on youtube you know it's literally the link is in my bio you guys should check out um, a lot of like the new stuff that i've been putting out which is taking full advantage of Resolve 17.4. Uh, there's some really cool things that are happening uh, with the new version of Resolve, and I feel like 
is you 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 all should stay on top of it. This was fun. I will see you guys in the next one. And uh, stay positive, stay possessed. Until then, peace.